Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. On somebody and you look at somebody like him and, and, and right away you can say, well, tattoos, that's straight up in the Word of God. It says in Leviticus and, and you can start quoting stuff that, that if they have a tattoo, surely they do not know God. Surely it's, it's against God. God said, don't tattoo. And, and you know, I, I love to, to get a hold of people like that and sit with them because if, if that person is judging somebody with tattoos, then he better have the long curly hair that it says right in the same passage that we better not cut from the side of our heads and he better have the prayer strings tied around him and there better be prayer strings hanging off his jeans and he better be in the right color and he better know when to have his head covered and when to have, a, have his head uncovered and and really important he better be bringing sacrificial offerings to the altar of God to be sacrificed and gutted and the blood spilled every day because if you're going to keep a law you got to keep the full law all right so, you know, I, I love the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged, or by the same measure that you judge, you're going to be judged. That's scary. I'd rather just accept everybody and not... <laughs> he said, man, that guy accepted everybody. God said, I'm going to accept him. I'm going to judge him. I'm, you know, I'm going to use the little, little, little measuring spoon for him. Because he's just, you know what I'm saying? He is, he's accepting. I'm going to be accepting. That's kind of God's philosophy throughout the Word of God. Well, here's a quote from one of my favorite books called Risking Church. The quota says this simply, in a world where our pictures of ourselves are so distorted, it's such a relief to come to a church and have a handful of people love me and tell me the truth. Have you experienced the thrill in your heart of knowing someone and enjoying the best parts of them, but also knowing the worst and still cheering for you? That's community. Knowing the best parts, but also knowing the worst and still cheering for you. That's community. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, all right. We've been in this, words, in this uh, series called In Living Color. And, and what it's turned into, it's evolved kind of in, in my heart and in my head. It's turned into a word study. And I'm just doing a word study from beginning to end of the Bible on the word worship. And it's so important, at, at this point, I feel like I've taken a dive off of a 400-foot diving board. And at this point in the series, I'm still in the air. But, but I know that once I hit, we're going to go so deep. Amen? Because, you know, when you jump off, a, I mean, it'll probably kill us. But in the spirit, you know, in the spirit, it won't kill me. It's just going to send me so deep into the water, so deep into the richness of God that it's going to be overwhelming. And, and I pray that you guys are, have by now taken that step off with me. And like we're all in the air just like screaming and yelling for like a half hour before we hit because we're up so high. Amen? So this series to me has just been, you know, so intense. And the more I read through the books this week of, of Exodus and the books of Leviticus, you know, not like fun chapters to read. If, if, if you're a Bible reader, which we all should be, but those books are like so intense and they're so, it's, it's, what really stood out at me was God's law and, and the law of worship. It's really about the law of how to worship God in, in the Old Testament. 
And so from the Ten Commandments to every rule and regulation, every rhyme and reason, every offering and sacrifice, every do and don't of the Old Testament, worship in, is in, in the Old Testament so far is about doing everything in God's perfect law and everything in God's perfect order. So I want to share a message with you today simply titled, Where's my sound effect? Where's my sound effect, Gabe? Simply titled, Law and Order. Amen. Yeah. All right. See, worship in the book of Exodus, is, it's, it's, it's about getting everything done according to the exact perfect law and the exact perfect order. It's about trusting God, but in different ways. The first half of the book is, is just about God's heart saying, and the whole theme of the book, what, what I like to see is the theme of the book of Exodus, is God saying, let my people go so they can worship me. That's God's heart through the book of Exodus. That is the heart, the father heart of worship through the book of Exodus. Let my people go so that they can worship me. The second place, the second piece of, the, of, of Exodus is just teaching them to rely on God one step at a time. To rely on Him for deliverance, for bread, for water, for safety. And see, and, and by the time of the book of Exodus, God has already shown Himself faithful. He's already shown all the plays. He's already shown everything that he can do. He's already delivered them, right? They, they, they came, they were blocked in by Pharaoh's army. And, and Mo, he said to Moses, just drop it boom, and split. And then they walked through the water. I mean, can you imagine how faith building that must be? To have the Red Sea divided with walls and then have you walk in the middle dry? Can you, I mean, would that increase anybody's faith? Right? I mean, it, just have everything divided and then you walk through, all hundred million thousand of you walk through. And then when Pharaoh's armies come in, to have the walls just close in on your enemies and kill all of them. How many would be excited, right? Have all your enemies killed. Some of you need the love of Jesus in your hearts. Okay, you got a little too happy about that. But, but at this point, God has already shown himself faithful. And so now, you know, he delivered them and now he's got to teach them. Right? And so what happens is, you see, a lot of us are still in that exodus stage in our lives, in our spiritual lives. We're still trying to get free. Amen? A lot of us are still trying to get free. We're still trying to find kind of like where I fit in. What is this thing all about? What is, what is God? How is that relevant to me? We're still trying to get free. We're in the exodus stage of our lives. And, you know, God is trying to free us from what we think is good, from what we think is bad, from lives of sin, from lives of religious duties. God's trying to free us from duties. <laughs> that was funny play on words there, right? God's trying to free you from all the duty in your life. Amen? The duty, D-U-T-Y. <laughs> That's funny. See, and we're just like the Israelites. You know, he hears every grumbling complaint. If you know the story of, of, the, of the Israelites, there was like every two minutes, you know, after God closed in the water, killed all the enemies, they were happy for like an hour. Right? For like an hour, they were like, God is God. Wow, God is so amazing. I give him all the thanks and the glory. And then they got thirsty. Like, God, what are we going to drink? 
Moses, why did you bring us all the way out here so we could drown? You should have left us in Egypt. At least in Egypt we had water and complaining, complaining, complaining. And so God says, fine, fine, boom. And, and he sends them water. And then they're like, why? What are we just supposed to do? Drink water all the time? We got to eat. We got to look at, look at, all, you know, we got, and why, why, complaining, complaining, a lot like us, right? And, and they, after God had killed all their enemies, after God had delivered them from all of this crazy, after God had been so faithful, they just, every half hour, they're complaining, it seems like, in Exodus. Wow, we need meat. We can't just eat this. And, and, and God rained down bread. Can you imagine God supplying bread every day for you from the sky? Would anybody be encouraged? I, I mean, that's bugged out. Wonder dropping from the sky. And, and, and you saying, no, but I want whole wheat. You know, I got to watch my figure. I'm, I'm on a carb-free diet. I got to, you know. And so God dropped pita from the air. Just pitas. You know, whole wheat pitas dropping. And every day you ate them. And then, you know, to, to, and, and God had to teach them. You only take what you need for today. But you know, there was Puerto Ricans there. Because it says that they took for like, for like three weeks. Right? The Puerto Ricans were like, no, no, I'm going to take for, for um, Chiquita and Timothy and Chico and Flaco. And, 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 and it says that it turned into maggots. Because God said, just take what you need for today. And it was awesome because it says some took a little and some took a lot, but they each had enough. Whatever they took was enough that they needed. So that was awesome. But they're just complaining, grumbling. Then they say, we can't just eat bread. God, we need some meat. You know, we're not vegetarians. And so God sent quail. Can you imagine God sent duck? You know, like that's a delicacy. You know, we don't always order duck. That costs a lot of money, right? I know you, they don't have it at Burger King or McDonald's, so a lot of us don't eat it. But if you go to a fancy restaurant, you order quail. God sent quail down. Imagine just ducks flying. You want meat? And God says, and all these ducks just fly and fall at your feet. And you're like, dude, meat. Every day, just God supplying. And you complaining. And God supplying. And you complaining. And God supplying. And does it sound like any of us? Not us, but there's a lot of people like that in the world. I know it doesn't sound like us. You know, I know. But so then, at this point in Exodus, he shows up at the top of a mountain. He tells Moses, get everybody gathered around the mountain. I'm going to show up at the mountain. And then he uses every special effect possible. It is like a diehard movie up in there. Every special effect, there's planes hitting helicopters. There's every special effect you could imagine. Clouds coming down, the earth trembling, and God speaks to Moses. And it says it struck fear in the hearts of men. And so it, it, it filled them with so much fear that they said to Moses, listen, listen, no, 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 chill, chill. You let God speak to you and you talk to us and we'll listen to you. Don't let God keep talking to us because we're going to die. It struck, exactly. It struck that much fear in the hearts of men. Side note, we've been doing the same thing since Moses. We would rather listen to a horoscope, a fortune, a prophetic word, advice from, from a friend, or, or just get advice from people because we're scared to, to know exactly what God would want for us. Amen? We'd rather hear, amen, amen. It's true. We'd rather, how many, you know how many times I want to slap some of you? You'd rather hear from the pastor than from God. Who am I? You understand, I'm like this Cuban kid from, you know, that puts on my jeans the way you put on your jeans. That I got to pray the same way you got to pray. I got to read and study to show myself approved the same way you got to read and study. This just happens to be what I do. But most, a lot, a lot of people would rather hear from me than hear from God because they're scared what God would tell them. Listen, God wants to speak directly to you. Amen? Cut me out. 
speak directly. Cut out. That's why we cut out the saints. That's why we cut out all the statues. That's why we cut all that out. There's no mediators. We don't have to pray to a certain saint for impossibilities and pray to a certain saint for lost items and a certain saint for TV and a certain saint for traveling mercies and a certain saint. No, God says, cut out the middleman. Come straight to me. I want to speak to you directly. That even means cut out your pastor. I want to speak directly to you. Hallelujah. All right. So anyway, at this point, he's given them the Ten Commandments. He, give, he speaks to Moses. He gives them the Ten Commandments. And then he tells them in Exodus 20 and 22. This is cool. You need to learn from this. He tells them, God said to Moses, give this message to the people of Israel. And here's the message. You've experienced firsthand how I spoke to you with, from heaven. Do not make gods of silver and gods of gold and set them alongside me. Make me an earthen altar, an altar out of earth. Sacrifice your whole burnt offerings, your peace offerings with sheep and your cattle on it. Every place that I cause my name to be honored in your worship, I'll be there and I'll bless you. Do you hear that? Then he says... If you use stones to make my altar, don't use dressed stones. Because if you chisel on the stones, you'll profane the altar. Don't use steps to climb to my altar because that would expose your nakedness. This is powerful. There's three simple lessons on worship here in this message. Remember, God's heart was, let my people go so that they can worship me. God wants to be worshipped. God created us so that we can worship him. Period. That's the purpose in your life. Do you understand that? If you stop like wrestling and, and career counseling and you'd understand God created you to worship and then everything else would fall in place. Really. Your marriages, your careers, your lives, your jobs, everything else would fall in place. But anyway, that's another a, a sermon. Let me give you the three simple lessons from that, what, what he's saying there, starting from the back on forward. He says he didn't want any steps because that would expose flesh. Understand that those people in times, they, they didn't have denim, right? So they had robes. Do a little visual picture. It might be a little ugly for you, but do a little... Somebody's already going, ah. Even the men wore robes, okay? They were tunics, and whenever they had to fight or do something, it said that they would gird up, which means that they would tie, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, it's an ugly picture. I'm sorry, Diana. But, but so there's a robe going on here. So God doesn't want steps going to his altar because think of the robe i'm wearing a robe now when i lift my leg to go up the steps not a pretty picture you understand i'm exposing the nakedness god says and 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 so the what's a, a lesson from there god wants no flesh in worship What's flesh in worship? Anything that would draw attention to me and take it away from God, that's flesh in worship. God says, I don't want no flesh in worship. I don't want to see, I don't want to see any flesh exposed in worship. So don't make any steps. He says, I don't want any fancy cut stones. You know why? He said, just make me a regular altar with rock and earth. Because if, if we take fancy cut stones and chisel them, it says we'll, do, we'll profane the altar. Why? Because if we make it so pretty, you know how so many of us were so caught up in the pretty church buildings and we got to have everything pretty and everything has to be gorgeous. And there's nothing wrong with excellence. I, I want that too. But the problem with an altar like that, the problem with an experience in worship like that is that then it would give glory to the stone cutter. They would say, wow, whoever built that altar, that's talent. 
I need to use them to build the kitchen cabinets in my house. You know, I, I want them to tile the floor in my house. Whoever built that, it would take glory away from God. And God says, let my people go that they may worship me. God said, it's all about me. So, so I don't want any flesh in, in the worship. I don't want any, any, anybody else to get the glory. Think about that for your musicians and your, your music styles and your skills and your fancy church buildings. Think about that. It has to, it has to give glory to God. Otherwise, it's, it's profane to God. Not that you can't have beautiful buildings and still glow. Yeah, you can. But you always got to check. Always got to check your heart in that area. Amen? Lastly, he says, every time your worship is about me, I'll be there and I'll bless you. Because the bottom line is God cannot resist true worship. If God had a weakness, it would be worship. That's powerful, right? Some of you think I'm... I'm you know, being sacrilegious, God had a weakness. God had, if God had a weakness, it would be worship. God can't resist true worship. See, my wife, well, everybody's wife, loves compliments. Right? Amen? Come on, women. You like compliments? Yes, Aixa loves compliments. If you want something from Aixa, give her compliments. See, but, and, and I can change, listen to this, I can change my wife's mood with the right words. Isn't that cool? So can you. You can change your wife's mood with the right words. Women, our wives love compliments. See, it's a character trait. We get that from God. We're created in God's image. And so that's a character trait that we get from God. God loves worship. God loves the right words. Problem is they have to be sincere. I can't tell my wife at the end of the day as we're heading to the bedroom, you're so beautiful. You know, because I want attention. You, you understand? It has to be sincere. All my kids went, ew, relax. It has to be sincere. It has to be true. God can't resist true worship. Now, listen to me. That's why I'm dedicating so much time to this series. And I'm really trying to go through the entire Bible with it so that we can learn what pleases God. Because if we learn what pleases God, then we can have a life that's true. A life that's full of joy and abundant. God said, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Anybody like want to settle for like an average life? A, a, a boring, sh cut short life? A miserable life? A life of pain and suffering and toil and trouble? No, I want an abundant life. And Jesus said, I came that I can have that. But see, for too, many, for too many years, I've been surrounded by people that say that they're Christians, but they got no life in them. There's no joy in them. Right? There's no love in them. Amen? So I, I want you to understand, don't tune out with this series. Don't think it's a series for musicians or a series for singers. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, and it's for all of us. Amen? The problem is we've taken the law and order approach. And, and, you know, we've been told again and again, Jesus came that you can have no fun. Jesus came that you will do nothing other than what he tells you to do. Jesus came so that you can pray and read and pray and read and pray and read. And, and, and if you do that right, then you will not be thrown into the lake of fire with Satan and the demons and burn in eternity in hell. Right? That's the picture that we get of Christianity. It's a law and order approach. And that started right from Eve. Remember when, when, when Satan came to Eve as the serpent and, and Satan told her, surely you, God didn't say you, don't, you can't eat from this tree. Eve added, Eve said, 
Yes, he did say we can't eat from the tree. He said we can't even touch the tree or we'll die. Did God really say that? No. The law was don't eat from the tree. Eve added. And, and, and we've been doing that since the beginning. We've added to the law. We said, no, surely God said we can't laugh and have fun at a party. No, surely God said we can't do this and we can't do that. We, we add what, what God never intended. And so we make the Christian life so hard and boring and ugly and legalistic and, and hard to live. And so that's why we walk around like we got sour patches in our mouths all the time. Just, everything, everything's uptight. Right? God, listen, I want to shout from the top of this roof the good news. God knows all about you and he still loves you and he still accepts you and so do I. God knows all your junk and your funk and he still loves you and he still accepts you and so do I. Would you turn to somebody you care about and say, so do I. Isn't that beautiful? So do I. So do I. So do I. See, to really understand this amazing grace, you need to see some of the law and order that God laid out in the beginning. I'll try to go through this real quick. After giving God the Ten Commandments, which already none of us here are able to keep. Can anybody keep the Ten Commandments constantly? Raise your hands. I could call you a liar and then prove to you that you already broke one of the commandments by lying. Right? You can't keep the Ten Commandments fully. You cannot keep them fully and consistently. You will break them. If you think Jesus came to do away with them, he made it even worse. Uh, many of us could claim, well, at least I haven't killed anybody. At least, you know, some of us in here could say, well, I never broke that one. Well, Jesus said, well, if you said you hate anybody, you've just as bad, you've broken that commandment. So that's ridiculous. Anybody hate anybody? We've gone there, right? I've been there. I've killed a couple people in my lifetime then. So the, he already, so he's given the Ten Commandments, which none of us were able to keep. Then in Exodus 21, he goes on and he gives all these law and orders. And, and it's all come out because understand something. God is the ultimate attorney for the prosecution. Oh, this gets good. God is the attorney for the prosecutor. Okay? God is also the judge. It's a fixed system. God is so good, a, person, a prosecution attorney, that nobody gets out. He'll find the law that you have broken. Because he wrote the law. It's kind of fake. It's kind of fixed. Right? It seems corrupt. It's not, but it seems corrupt. He's the judge and the attorney for the prosecution. He'll make sure that he'll find a law that you broke and you will be locked up every time. Look at some of the laws in Exodus. There's... It's written just like law and order. Personal injury law. Check this out. Anyone who strikes a man and kills him gets put to death. If a man schemes and kills another man deliberately, take him away from my altar and put him to death. Anyone who taxes his father or his mother, put him to death. Anyone who curses his father or his mother, put him to death. We'd have no teenagers, right? <laughs> we would have had no teenagers like 40 million years ago. It would have been done. Life finished. Anyone who curses mother and father put to death. Everything was covered. There was a loop. There was a God covered every single thing that could possibly happen. Look, if men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman, like how often does that happen? Is that ridiculous law to put in there? But it's a law in Exodus. If how many times does anybody know of anybody that's been fighting two men fighting and by accident they punch a pregnant woman? You do know? I guess that's why it's in there then, because it does happen. I just didn't think it was something that's really common, you know. 
So that, even that law is in there. If a man who are fighting hit a pregnant woman, she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there's serious injury, you're to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Somebody said that's hardcore, right? That's hardcore. That's just personal injury. And there's a whole bunch more. I just don't want to read it all to you. Then there's property loss laws. Look, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. If a thief is caught breaking in and, and is struck so that he dies, the defender's not guilty. That's like still a law today, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? That's from Exodus, from God's law. Me and Joe have been waiting for the catch this guy that's breaking into our cars. And we say, you know, if he passes this one line, he's on my property. And so now reading Exodus, it says, if I strike him and he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. I wouldn't, you know, but anyway. A thief is to make restitution, but if he has nothing, he must be sold to pay for his theft. That's just property law. Then there's social laws and, and social, you know, order. I call this the player-hater law. Look, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price. Shotgun wedding. That's where it came from. He shall, she shall be his wife. If the father refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for the virgin. Crazy, right? Social laws. Do not, this is, the Bronx would be empty. We had to kill all the brujos and brujas. Do not allow a sorceress to live. That means we'd have to go and kill all the brujos and brujas. All the botanic, we had to blow them up. I'm not encouraging that. Everybody be clear. This is Exodus. Okay. Do not allow a sorceress. Whoever sacrifices to any other God other than the Lord must be destroyed. That led to a lot of religious hate, didn't it? Do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, God says, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger would be aroused and I will kill you with the sword and your wives will become widows and children's fatherless. Heavy duty, right? God is serious. You understand what I'm saying? Everything is covered. There's laws of justice. There's laws of mercy. There's laws for the Sabbath. There's laws in church and laws out of church. There's even laws for parties. God says, celebrate the feast of unleavened bread for seven days and eat bread without yeast. And as I commanded you, and I call this the Puerto Rican clause, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. Everyone has to bring something. <laughs> you guys know the relatives, right, that we have? It says in 17, three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. And so Moses delivered all of this law to an order to the people. He gave them all this law and order. And they said with one voice, everything God says we'll do. Remember, they were terrified still by the, by the, by the special effects. And so it, it says that he wrote it all down and he read it to them again. He built an altar and, and they all replied, yes, we're going to do it. So he took the sacrifices and he took half of the blood and he sprinkled it on the altar, and the other half, he sprinkled it on the people. You got water? No, that's Gatorade. I don't want to sprinkle Gatorade on people. That wouldn't be nice. But I, I need you to see that picture. Do you, I mean, can you picture this? We're sacrificing goats and lambs and bulls and whatever, and half of that blood. You ever been cut and just like a lot of blood? Imagine when you cut things in half. And all the organs and everything spill out. And he says he took half of that blood and sprinkled it on the people. Sprinkled it. How many of you would have stayed there? Right? If I start throwing blood at you, how many of you go running? 
I would hope you go running because we're not supposed to do that today. But, but it's a, you understand the picture? It's a bloody mess. We're all standing there in the middle of this open field or desert or whatever it is. And, and they're throwing blood at us. And now we're covered in blood and we're crying and repenting and saying, God, we'll do what you said we will do. It's a bloody mess. But see, in the Old Testament, God was already giving us a picture of the New Testament. It was going to take the blood to wash us clean. Come on, that's exciting. It was going to take the blood to wash us clean. We were going to have to not literally, but, but spiritually be covered in the blood. In order to, to make it. Amen? In order to be forgiven. Come on, that's good. Give God thanks for that one. The very next thing, God wants a sanctuary built. Because remember, his heart was, let them go so they can worship me. So God wants this major sanctuary built. He tells them, I mean, this is something I don't even think Stacy could pull off. Or, or Stacy's mom. It was just too organized. He says, I want 20 curtains of this fabric with this length. And they have to meet. And, and he wants the lampstands a certain way. And, and God gives this like chapters and chapters and chapters of how he wants this thing built. It was just like overwhelming because, you know, he, he, there was such a law and order that I think Monk would, would bug out. It was such a law and order that even people with obsessive compulsive disorders wouldn't, would be uncomfortable. It was just too much. It was so overbearing the way things had to be done. What I want you to see is how serious God is about holiness. If you get anything from this, understand God is so serious about his law and order. And he wants things done a certain way. Don't be distracted. Do you know that even the high priest had to wear special underwear? That's how serious it got. Because remember the whole robe issue? And so the high priest were, had to wear special underwear, which in fact were boxers. They were our first boxers. So the Levites were the first Calvin Klein guys. They wore boxers that covered, because that way they wouldn't be exposed when they climbed the steps to the, high, to the Holy of Holies. They wouldn't be nothing exposed. Even the high priest had to wear, uh, down to the underwear. Somebody said that's a little ridiculous. That's how serious God is about His holiness. That's how serious God is about the law, about, about holiness, about godliness. That's how serious God is. You need to understand that. See, right after the covenant ceremony, Moses went to speak to the Lord. And while he was away, the people said, I don't know if Moses is coming back. Where, where? We don't have a God. We don't understand. He's not coming back. He said they took off all the gold earrings and, and, and jewelry off of their kids. And they threw it into the fire. And a golden calf came out, Aaron said. And they said, that'll be our God. Side note, when we don't serve the Lord, we will make a God out of anything. That's good. That's awesome. God, God, God told Moses while God was talking to him, he said, you better get back there because those people that you're up here fighting for, they just made a, a calf out of gold and they're worshiping and they said that's going to be their God. And so Moses came down like, you know, I'm, I'm up here before the Lord interceding for you. I can imagine the heart of the pastor of Moses. I, I, I know the feeling. I, well, not even close to what he experienced. But I understand the feeling. How you want to, you know, people come to you all the time. Pray for me, pastor. You got to pray for me. And you want to say, listen, well, stop doing what you're doing. I don't have to keep praying for you. You pray. I mean, do you understand the, like, you know, we'd like to put the burden on, on, on the men of God. You are a man of God. You're a woman of God. You pray. Stop telling me to pray for you. You pray. Together we pray and something will happen. Amen? But don't put it all on me. I still got to pray for me. I still got to pray for my family. I still got to pray for my issues and my, my attitudes. 
Right? Amen? Because y'all know I got them, right? All right. So there was such a law and order that it, that it was just crazy. So Moses comes back down and, and he tells everybody, who's going to stand for the Lord? And so the Levites stand up. And he equipped every Levite with a sword. And he told them, go out, kill brother, sister, mother, daughter, son, child, everybody that has bowed down to that calf. It says that 3,000 people were killed that day. 3,000 people were killed that day with swords. So that's not even, you know, it's not neat. It's not like da 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 It's with a sword. 3,000 people killed. Imagine the massacre that day. So by, by this point, uh, the people have, you know, the, by, by the end of Exodus, the tabernacle set up, everything is done. The tabernacle's ready, everything's ready. And by this point, people have died trying to do the right thing. Even Aaron's sons, listen, there was a point where the fire had gone out and the, only the high priests are supposed to light the fire and burn incense. Aaron's sons put incense in their, in their burners and lit fire and God said, that's unauthorized fire. That's not how I wanted it done. The fire of God came out from the presence, consumed them, killed them. So, so you know, could you imagine like worshiping wrong and being killed? you imagine like Pastor Sal come off the drums one day? And he said, wait, this clown in the fourth row, he ain't worshiping, right? And he just come down and like execute somebody, come over here and just snap his neck and let him fall to the floor. He said, now let's continue. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Keep it up. you imagine being killed for worshiping wrong? Is God serious about his holiness? And, and you know, some of you could take the approach, well, you know what? I'm not going to serve God then. Forget that. I'm, that's a little too... Why serve God? Well, you know what? Whether you believe God or not, He's still God. So you're not, this, you're not like, you, you can't say, well, I don't believe it, so you're, you're, you're uh, immune. No, you're still dead. Understand? God is still God whether you believe Him or not. So the option to not believe Him, and that's just like trying to find excuses and loopholes, and you, you can't do it. So everyone understood that the law was impossible. Can we all agree the law is impossible to keep? I've just given you little pieces. It's impossible to keep. How many of you know you, you could probably keep it as long as you don't wake up and stay in bed? Maybe, because some of you have bad dreams. You know what I'm talking about. But maybe on the whole, on the most part, if you stayed in bed and didn't talk to anybody and just slept, maybe you'd be able to. But the second you put your foot out the bed and you say, oh, it's cold, and you curse somebody, you broke four commandments. You broke four laws. The fact that you didn't say God's name first or said it in vain, you broke a law. The fact that you didn't give God thanks before you cursed, you broke a law. The fact that you told somebody about their mother, you broke a law. Right? So the minute we get out of bed, you understand that we just can't keep this law. Amen? So the first seven chapters of Leviticus, we're in the next book, the first seven chapters of Leviticus outline um, all of these special offerings and sacrifices. Because the purpose of an offering or a sacrifice is to make up for the law that you couldn't keep. You understand? If you can't keep the law, if God sets a law and you can't keep it, then there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be an offering to keep you alive or you're dead. You, 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 you get the seriousness? Right? And so there was the burnt offering. The burnt offering was for unintentional sin. So that was a blanket sacrifice for wrongdoing in general. So all of us be doing that every day, right? Be like burnt offerings every day in the oven. Every day. 
Because that's just for unintentional sin. Like sin you did by mistake. There was a grain offering. That was a voluntary worship and thanks. There was a fellowship offering. There was a sin offering. And, and the sin offering was, was mandatory. If you didn't do this, you, 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 you had no atonement. All of these offerings are for sins that were unintentional. If you did a sin on purpose, this, this offering wouldn't even cover you. I mean, it's just so crazy, so legalistic. There was a guilt offering, the sin offering, the fellowship offering. All of the offerings that were mandatory involved the death of something so that you can live. As a matter of fact, when, they, when, you, when you brought a, a sin offering or a guilt offering, the person that brought it had to put his hands on the bull. And when you put your hands on the bull and then you kill it, you're transferring your sin to that animal and then the animal, the priest takes it and finishes it and, and now your, your sin is atoned for. It's a transferring. You see the picture of Jesus in that? Isn't that a, a beautiful picture? You're transferring your sin guilt to this animal, to this sacrifice, and then he takes it for you. Somebody say, where's the good news in all the law and order? See, because God knew that with him as an attorney for the prosecution, and with him as the judge, and with him as the jury, because God loved us so much, he also took the role of the defending attorney. God is three. Isn't that a cool? So God is the judge, the attorney for the prosecution, and now he steps up, and when we allow him to, he becomes the attorney for the defendant. And he becomes our defense attorney. Somebody say, Amen. And, and see, God finds loopholes in his own law because he wrote it. He finds the loopholes in his law and he knew that we couldn't keep it. He knew we didn't have the ability to, to have this perfect law and enter perfect holiness. He knew that we couldn't keep the fire of sacrifice going 24 hours a day. He knew that it would require one perfect sacrifice if those coming with communion would, would just come to the front. He knew that, that, that one perfect sacrifice had to come from him because his law was so airtight tight that only he could find a, a loophole in it listen when we just accept the fact that we are not good enough we can't pray enough we can't eat uh, fast enough we can't sacrifice enough most of us can't even worship right right we're just not good enough but our defense attorney he's the best in the business there's no case he can't get dismissed. No matter how bad you've been, no matter how horrible a person you've become throughout the years, God loves you enough to take the case if you ask him. And it's an awesome thing that's still in the case today. It says, if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. Come on, that's good. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. And Jesus steps up and he says, I'll defend them. I'll be his defense attorney. And so, and, and, and the, there's one, one of those feasts and one of those festivals that Jesus said, even in the New Testament, that we should still do in remembrance of him. Also, Jesus does it pro bono also. Isn't that awesome? You can't afford to pay him. We're going to serve communion. Communion is going to be served here at the altar. And I want you to notice those that are standing to serve communion have been those that have already shared their story. Well, at least we're supposed to be. There he comes. <laughs> I want you to think about the offerings 
that God's people had to bring to the altar when they were under the law. And we're not under that law anymore, and I don't want to bring legalism and law on you, but I want you to ask yourselves, if you would just kind of just close down for a moment, just, just bow your heads for a moment, just close your eyes. We're done, we'll be out of here in a few minutes. But I want you to think about those offerings that, that people had to bring all the time to just be cleansed. The burnt offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the fellowship offering, the thanks offering, the grain offering. And understand that whatever offering is required for your condition today, whatever offering is required, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've become up until this point, whatever offering is required, it was covered in communion. I want you all to just, as you feel led to just stand, to receive grace, to receive forgiveness, to receive peace. God's heart still cries today, let my people go that they may worship me. And a lot of us are still in that exodus stage. God is just trying to bring us out. God is trying to deliver us. He's trying to free us. I'm going to ask you to just come and receive that freedom today. As you feel led, just come take a piece of the bread and a piece of the juice which symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ the perfect sacrifice that was shed that, that was sacrificed once and for all and if we picture that sacrifice just come and just put your hands on them and transfer the guilt transfer the, sh the sin transfer the shame because you need to know that, that God is so serious about His holiness. He's so serious about His perfect order. But there's only one way you can keep it. And that's through the blood that was shed for you. And so it's, it's not time anymore to keep living in sin and shame and guilt. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be delivered so that you can worship Him. And worship Him freely. Would you just come and receive that today? Whenever you're ready, just come. Just come and, and, and receive it. Just come and take, take your, your, your communion and just take it back to wherever you want to and just, just pray between you and yourself and God. Say, God, I just, I just received this today. I receive my deliverance. I receive your freedom. And as you take it back and just eat, Believe that it's happening. Believe that it's done. Because the price has already been paid. And your defense attorney is already standing before the judge, interceding for you and, and, and making, making provision for you, finding all the loopholes in the laws that should have killed us and destroyed us. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.